0: hi welcome to horror versus reality i am anastasia as per usual and morgan is with me hello morgan oh hi it's me It's-a-me. it's oh, should- a me it's a me we shouldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> we were making fun of mario that has nothing <laughs> literally zero to do with our episode today which is italian it's a very italian episode today very italian so today's episode is gran bolito versus the soap maker of correggio yes yes okay let's talk about how i came to this episode Yeah. I don't remember how I heard about it. I think it was on a list of like, I don't know, like years ago. I think it was on a list of like weird crimes or something. Uh, Because you know how my insomnia rolls. But this was like before we even had the podcast. I knew about this case and I had been obsessed with it for years. And uh, I finally was like, I wonder if there's a movie about it. And I just Googled and there was, (laughs) I remember getting really excited a couple of years ago because, um, the evidence locker did an episode and I'm like, Oh, they did an episode on a case that I love. And I was so excited. Nice. Yeah.
1: I I, I didn't listen to that episode, but I had never heard of her until you had spoken about it like a a year ago.
0: Yeah. I've been talking about it for a while, like bouncing around, we should do this case but I wasn't sure about what movie to do or if we'd be able to find it and then I did find a copy and I just was like yeah we're gonna do it.
1: Yeah. I liked it.
0: Me too. It's uh this is our first horror comedy. Is it it's a comedy yeah absolutely
1: well Come I mean on. some of some of the ones we've watched are really bad be- like The Dentist, isn't that a horror comedy?
0: I don't think The Dentist was supposed to be a horror comedy. <laughs> I think the dentist was just funny. <laughs> because it was so over the top? It was so bad. Yeah. I I unashamedly love the dentist though. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so weird to see the guy who plays Sean from Sykes' dad uh be a like evil dentist. <laughs> that's that's just awesome. It is
1: pretty great. <laughs> Andrew brings it up sometimes still.
0: It's one of those ones that stays with you. Like <laughs> <laughs> this podcast that I discovered through our podcast, like, I was Googling one of our episodes to send, like, the direct link from Spotify to a friend or whatever, you know? And this podcast came up because they had done a similar episode. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's called Hollywood Crime Scene. I think I've talked about them before. Yeah. Yeah, so they, like, during October, did an episode on the dentist in Glenn and Glennon Engelman. <laughs> And I was like, um, that's that's like our episode. (laughs) Like we did that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, those two. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it was interesting because they read or one of the co-hosts read a book like about Glennon Engelman and it apparently gets into his sex life. Oh, God. Like it gets really detailed into his sex life. And I'm like, we didn't talk about that.
1: No, no, (laughs) I did not read that book. (laughs) I did not go as deep as I could have. But
0: but you're often so busy that you're limited to like Internet research. I've just been like buying books to help you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, he yeah, gifted
1: me the last one and gifted me something else recently.
0: Oh, it was for this episode. I gave you my password to my Audible account.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And I just, I've I've been buying books for the podcast on Audible. (laughs) This episode, I'll admit, we kind of rushed it a little bit, but we still did a lot of research, honestly. Like, I've watched this movie front to back, like, pausing it and typing and pausing and typing. I loved it. Yeah, I I watched it twice and and sat there and typed and rewrote and talked about things for, you know, several, several hours. It's so great. Yeah, it's good stuff. So we're going to get into it. Okay, so I'm going to talk. I'm not going to do quotes at the end or not quotes, but the like fun facts at the end, because honestly, there's just so many fun facts sprinkled throughout my research that I don't feel like um, I needed to tack on random extra facts that weren't included.
1: I love fun facts.
0: Yeah, but they're they're sprinkled throughout good. My, my work. <laughs> but you have
1: to say fun fact.
0: Um. Do I? Network, or will you just know that it's a fun fact? Or maybe
1: you can like message me on Skype and then I go, Fun fact. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, we'll just see how it goes. <laughs>
1: or edit me doing that every time you have a fun fact.
0: Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's what I want to do, uh,
1: but okay, but
0: but maybe we'll see but i
1: still love fun facts even though
0: (laughs) yes yes you do (laughs) so (laughs) so grand bolino in america it was marketed as the black journal that's not exactly what grand Bolito. um my mind would cold um (laughs) that's not exactly yeah (laughs) that's not exactly what it translates to it's more to like big journal but whatever it's not, it's not important. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, Gran Bolito a.k.a. Black Journal. Uh, it was directed by Mauro Bolognini. I think I said that right, Bolognini. Perfecto. No. Mm. <laughs> uh, Polonini began directing his own feature films in the mid-1950s and received his first international success with Wild Love. His other notable films of the 1950s and early 60s include Young Husbands, The Big Night, From a Roman Balcony, and they were all written by his writing partner, Pierre Paolo Pasolini. Um, so he parted with Pasolini professionally in 1961, and he went on to direct two love stories starring Claudia Cardonelle. uh, Those were the lovemakers and Careless, and the coming-of-age films Agostino and Corruption, um, before turning his talents to a series of international anthology films, which include The Dolls, Three Faces of a Woman, The Queen, and The Witches. Not to be confused with... The Witches Based on the Roald doll book. Different movie, just to clarify. <laughs> it's uh, Italian, not American or not English. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, Bolognini uh, returned to features in 1966 with Madame Miguela. De Maupin, Mademoiselle de Maupin, featuring Catherine Spock and Robert Hossein. Uh, his films of the 1970s include the period dramas Matello and Boo Boo, spelled B U B U. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, both starring Massimo Ranieri <clears throat> uh, He also did Muri Affair Starring Giancarlo Giannini And Catherine Deneuve, And The Inheritance With Anthony Quinn And Dominique Senda In 1981 Bolognini filmed The Lady of the Camellias Inspired by The Alexander Dumas Novel in play Now if that name Sounds familiar to you That's because he wrote The Three Musketeers Oh Okay Yes, so... Fun fact. Yes, fun fact. (laughs) Famous, famous man in literature. Yeah. Throughout the decade, he continued directing feature films, as well as the television miniseries, The Charter House of Parma, and A Time of Indifference. His final feature film was basically softcore porn, and it was called, yes, and it was called Husbands and Lovers, starring Julian Sands and Joanna Pacula, and it was released in
1: 1991. Oh, yeah. I just clicked on it and the front cover of that movie is a woman orgasming
0: yeah i said it was basically <laughs> softcore core porn yeah they even yeah. show it on
1: the front You're yeah
0: right. yeah <laughs> okay so let's talk about the cast shelly winters as leonardo chi the main Good. star woman who murders everyone good not every thank you thank you so shelly winters i love her she's super famous she is an old hollywood queen that should really be talked about more you know he she was won multiple academy awards appeared in numerous films and was right there partying up partying it up with the likes of like liz taylor and stuff so she appeared in numerous films she won an academy award for best actress for the diary of anne frank Mm. she was also in 1959 uh she was also in a patch of blue in 1965 that she also won an academy award for she received oscar nominations for a place in the sun and the poseidon adventure i don't know if you've ever seen the poseidon adventure but that's the movie about the boat that like flips on its side and you have to like climb up to the top to not drown do you know what i'm talking about do you not know so it's it's about a boat that like capsizes and it turns on its side and is sinking and the people on the ship are like climbing higher and higher to the part that's not underwater
1: oh so it's like like, a long drawn out version of titanic
0: kind of but (laughs) not and more people live i think
1: okay so it's sort of like if Titanic was an action movie.
0: Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like if Titanic was an action movie in the seventies, kind of. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, she also had appeared in A Double Life uh, in 1947, and Night of the Hunter in 1955. Now I feel like I've talked about Night of the Hunter here before, but fuck it. If even if I did, I'm gonna do it again. So let's talk about Night of the Hunter. Okay. okay. I first, okay. I first discovered <laughs> I first discovered this film in a very Anna way. Of finding a movie, so I was hanging out with this girl that I played soccer with that was like a year older than me, and I sp- I was spending the night at her house. And what I mean by typical Anna fashion is, at some point, I got bored with what she was doing. She kept calling one of her other friends and like talking to some dude on the phone that was oh, like, lame. yeah, that was like in our grade or her grade and she was just basically doing like really like basic bitch teenage girl shit that I didn't want to do. <laughs> so I wandered in the kitchen and started talking to her mom as I want to do. Uh I did that a lot as a kid. Just would <laughs> like I'm fucking kid on... I want to hang out with your parents. <laughs> I'm not even lying. That is something I did a lot. I would wander <laughs> away from my friends and be like, Your parents are more interesting. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been a little old man my whole life. But anyway. You literally have. <laughs> I really have. So I go in there to talk to her mom, and her mom, and we start talking about horror movies, I guess. And her mom's like, I've got a movie I have to show you. And it was Night of the Hunter. <laughs> yeah. And that's what got me like obsessed with horror movies from 1955. I think that's where it all started. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah because 1955 also has Diabolique and like eyes without a face i think came out in 56 it's just like a really good time for black and white horror i think yeah but anyway so none of the hunter stars robert mitchell who was also in the original cape fear and some other great uh thrillers and he got arrested for smoking pot back in the day <laughs> what yeah. devil's lettuce That devil's lettuce. (laughs) I definitely didn't just smoke before the podcast. (laughs) I live in a legal state. No, I do too. Legalize it. Yeah. All right. So, (laughs) sorry. I have to say that every time. (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. So I love Night of the Hunter and Shelly Winters is great in it. She plays the mother of these two kids who uh, are orphaned, not orphaned, but their father was like, was his, their father went to jail for robbing a bank. He basically uh, stashes the money with the kids. and doesn't tell the wife and then gets taken to prison and ends up getting hanged. And then his roommate was Robert Mitchum's character pretending to be a preacher. And then he got enough information out of their father. For him to come find the widow and her kids, ah. and trick the widow into marrying him, so that he can try to figure out where the money's hidden, and that's so the whole movie. Scandalous! Yeah, that's what the whole movie's about, and it's great, and Robert Mitchum's great, and Shelley Winters is great, and it's a wonderful movie. And if you have a bias against black and white, that's your own fault. <laughs> hey, I'll watch it. I'll put it on my list. Absolutely, you one hundred sounds good. Should. You should. I own a copy of it somewhere around here. Probably on my bookshelf. So she was also in Lolita. She played the original Lolita. uh, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita from 1962. Uh, It was remade in the early 2000s with um, Jeremy Lyons. I don't watch that one. I watched the original Stanley Hubert? I've seen both. Um, I like the remake. It's made with Dominique Swain, who I have interviewed before, actually, for some horror movie that she did years ago. Uh, But anyway, it was for Dominique Swain, and she plays Lolita in the remake, and Jeremy Irons plays Humbert Humbert. Humbert Humbert. That's his name for some reason in the fucking book. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've ever read Lolita, but it is unashamedly one of my favorite books I mean look I know it's about a dude who's a pedophile pretty much who's in love with his wife's daughter and he only marries the woman to trick her to get closer to the daughter look I'm fully aware that it's a fucked up story Yeah, it's it's... Uh, but it's beautifully written like Vladimir Nabokov has a way with words like I don't know what else to tell you
1: I never read it only watched the Stanley Kubrick movie so you think this is a good book to read
0: you should absolutely read it because as a writer, it's just like he's got away with the turn of phrase and away with the words and it's beautiful. I know that's fucked, but it is. And uh, I will die on that hill. You can be mad at me You can be mad at me if you want, but hey, if it's I, a good book, it's a good book. I mean that's what there's I'm saying. Shit it's a
1: shit out there. It's
0: a it's a good book and I'm not condoning. What happens in the book? I'm just saying it's a good book. Okay. Ah, uh, she was also in the original Alfie, not the one with Jude Law. Also, that one's terrible. Don't watch it. Sorry, mm-hmm. Jude Law. She was a next stop. Uh, also, in 1966 in Greenwich Village from 1976. Uh, she did voice work for uh, Pete's Dragon in 1977. Uh, Is that about also, weed? No, it's a it's a Disney movie. I think. <laughs> oh, it's still about weed. Um, yeah, maybe. It's it's a cartoon though. Nah, I have no idea. It's a I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I've never seen it to be completely honest. But yeah, so she was also done some television television work, including a tenure on the sitcom Roseanne as Nana Mary, Roseanne's grandmother. By the way, Shelley Winters was only thirty-two years older than Roseanne at the time that she played Roseanne's grandmother. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's our yeah that's our age uh, <sighs> until fr- until Friday when I turned thirty-three. My point is, we are not old enough to be anyone's grandma. <laughs> no like like shelly winters would have had to have been a teen mom at like 15 or 16 yeah and then Win- their team right yeah w- yeah when she had roseanne and then roseanne would have to get pregnant at the same age
1: yeah it'd be like a g- generational bad decisions yeah <laughs> unfortunate decisions look or not I'm- decisions unfortunate outcomes of fun yes look,
0: look. <laughs> Whatever. That's your life. It's not what I would want for mine. Okay. Let's just moving on. All right. So um, Max von Sydow as Lisa Carpe. He also plays the police chief, which I will mention all that later. But every actor that you see in this movie that's, almost certainly in drag, plays a dual role as one of the cops. And I don't know if you noticed that.
1: I did. You did? Yeah, because the main one, um, you're probably about to go on and talk about him.
0: The police chief? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's because he has the longest face known to man and he's (laughs) undeniably the same person.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I was like, hold on, I know his face from somewhere and then I I got distracted and had to keep the movie on pause like forever because I was going in a deep rabbit hole. (laughs) <laughs> real deep rabbit holes. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about him. So okay, Max, nice. Max uh was a Swedish-French actor, and when I say that this man is literally a legend, yeah. the man is literally a legend. He had a 70-year career in European, American, and American, and British. Well, I guess that is the same. Anyway, he had a <laughs> He had a 70-year career in European and American cinema, television, and theater, appearing in more than 150 films and several television series in multiple languages. He became a French citizen in 2002, and he lived there until he died. And let me just... Talk you through some of his legendary film roles. He is the man who played chess with death, famously, in Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. He attempts an exorcism on young Reagan McNeil, ironically, in William Friedkin's The Exorcist. Iconically. (laughs) (laughs) Iconically, in William Friedkin's The Exorcist, which, if you haven't seen The Exorcist, what are you even doing here? Why are you listening to a horror podcast? Go watch The Exorcist. Who are you? Who are you? Go watch The Exorcist. It's only the greatest horror film of all time. It may not be my favorite horror film, but I can't deny its cultural significance and genuine it's terror that it Absolutely classic. Absolutely yeah, classic. Absolutely classic. Yes. In addition to these iconic roles, he also played Dr. Kynes in David Lynch's Dune and the Three-Eyed Raven in HBO's Game of Thrones. Cute. And I'm not even... And I'm not even scratching
1: the surface of his long. Yeah, you're really not. I'm like, every time you go to say one, I'm like, nope, not that one. Okay, next one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like he's been in a ton of shit and he's amazing. And you should do yourself a favor and get in to Max to Max von Sydow. Sydow, he was in like a lot of Ingmar Bergman films. And if you're a cinephile, I mean, you got to go down the Ingmar Bergman rabble, rabbit hole. <laughs> All right. So Renato Renato Pazzetto, uh, he plays Stella slash unnamed cop. <laughs> Pazzetto is an Italian actor, singer, and comedian. In 1964, he and his childhood friend, Cochi Ponzoni, Formed the duo Kochi and Renato. They recorded several successful songs, often written in collaboration with Enzo Janakati. Now these songs often had a satirical and or nonsense feel to them. Their most popular hit include hits include La Canzone Intelligente, uh, aka the intelligent song, and it's a satire about songwriting. <laughs> and yeah. And y la Vita La Vita from the mid-1970s. Through the first half of the 1990s, uh, Pazzetto enjoyed a prolific career in film where he became famous for his trademark pronounced Milanese accent and for his shy and stuttering way of speaking. In his uh, in the mid-2000s, following almost two decades of separation, he reunited with Ponzoni. Uh, yeah, they became friends again. Pazzetto... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pozzetto has also lent his voice to Rox, the dog protagonist of the movie Look Who's Talking Now, for the Italian dubbing. <laughs> Do you nice. remember that movie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. it's For those of you who are too young to know what Look Who's Talking Now is, it's a ridiculous movie from the early 90s with John Travolta and Kirstie Alley. Yeah. And oh, yeah. That is personal. Yeah. Yeah. And the first one, The Baby talks and the second one the dogs talk yeah really ground i think so really groundbreaking stuff i'm shaking i'm shaking my head uh yeah oscar winner right there
1: isn't joan uh cusack in that movie too
0: may yeah i think so i think she's like the friend i haven't seen those movies in years so but i still know enough that they weren't good (laughs) okay so alberto Lionello as Berta slash the bake clerk, born in Milan into a family of Venetian origins after studying acting at the Academia de Filodramatici. Lion- I, I like really tried, man. I like really tried. All right. Um, so he started his career in 1949 in the stage company of Antonio. Gandusio, He's uh, he got his first personal success in the stage play Le Poce Ale Oraccio in 1951. Then for several years he was part he had a part in the Wanda Osiris stage company. Uh Lionello had his breakout in 1960 as a presenter of the RAI Saturday night musical show Kenzanissima together with Loretta Massiro and Araldo Thierry. He also performed the opening theme song La La La, which became a hit, ranking 13th on the Italian Hit Parade. In 1961, he started a seven-year-long collaboration with the Teatro Stabile in Genoa, where he got large critical acclaim particularly for his performance in Zeno's Conscience, which he later also played in a television adaptation, and in Carlo Goldoni's The Venetian Twins, which he performed in 33 countries, including in Broadway. Damn. Damn. Like also, Alberta. yeah, also Alberto, out of all the men that dress in drag in this, he's the best looking.
1: I, as, as a woman,
0: best looking as a woman? Yes. Uh, okay. He looks the best. He plays Berta. Berta looks the best.
1: Berta looks the best.
0: Berta looks yeah. the best.
1: I, I agree, but as a man, I think it has to go to Max Fonz side out.
0: Max is handsome, but not in a way that um, I'm attracted to. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Like, I acknowledge that he's fine looking, but I'm... But,
1: yeah, I, Berta look more like a woman.
0: Yeah, well, I have I am more into androgynous people. If I'm being really honest. Yeah. I like I like androgyny. I, can, I just do.
1: I I can agree to that.
0: Yeah, androgyny is just great. <laughs> All right, so um, Melina Vukatic as Tina, the mute maid. <laughs> she, like we'll get into it when we start talking about the film. But this woman has some incredible faces that she makes. <laughs> and she has
1: if that's her scream it's amazing
0: i know and she has the sharpest nose i've ever seen in my life
1: it really is
0: you could cut someone with that nose
1: yeah seriously it's very sharp because every time she turns i'm like "Ah."
0: you're like god damn that's a pointy nose (laughs) yeah Yeah, for real though uh was born in rome to a montenegrin comedy playwright father and an italian pianist slash composer mother as a child, she studied acting and classical dance in Italy and France. She's a brilliant character actress. She became well-known for her role as Pina Fantasi in The Fantasi Series of Comedy Films, winning a Nastro d'Argento for Supporting Actress for her role in Fantasi and Paradiso, and later in her life for the role of Grandma Enrica, in the TV series Un Medical in Famiglia, mm. mm-hmm. she worked with she's worked with the likes of Federico Fellini, Louis Buñuel, which we all know Buñuel is a personal favorite of mine. But I have the artwork from the film poster of Louis Buñuel's film, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, tattooed on my left shoulder. Nice, yeah, yeah. And she's also uh, worked with Andre Tarkovsky, or as I like to call him, the Prince of Despair. <laughs> Tarkovsky why the, movie. Why the? Uh Ah, uh because Tarkovsky movies are famously depressing. Oh, yeah. Go watch Solaris and tell me that you're not depressed. I I'll wait. I
1: don't wanna watch anything that makes me depressed. Well then don't watch it. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: on stage. She became one of Rena Morelli's favorite actresses and worked with other prestigious theatrical productions with directors like Franco Zeffirelli, Giorgio Streller. Paolo Poli and Jean Cocteau. Uh, she had a recurring role in the French television ser- series Une Famille Formidable. In 1987, she played in the German series Anna, uh, which was a big success in the German speaking countries. I mean, it's a good name. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of the film here. So our film starts with Leonardo, or just Leah for short. That's how they frequently uh, refer to her throughout the movie. She's moving from the south of Italy to a metropolitan city in the north of Italy. She has just gotten a license to run her own lottery shop. Like you know, it's like I guess it's kind of like a convenience store. Like they sell other things, but they also sell lottery tickets. Uh, She quickly makes friends with some of the local women in her building. Lisa, played by Max von Sydow, runs down to greet her and help carry on her bags. She's been helping Leah's husband and son get the lay of the land. Uh she doesn't care for the for the house that she's just moved to at all. Leah doesn't. Uh she says to her husband that she doesn't like the look of it and then later on she complains that it faces north, which is bad luck according to her. Not too long after she's kissed her son hello and started to accept the new situation, Rosario, her husband, has a stroke. And okay, look, I'm not I'm not making fun of the actor, but his portrayal of a stroke is fucking hilarious.
1: I know. It's so bad. I was just like, what is he do is he having a seizure? stroke and then when they zoomed in on his hand i was like okay it's a stroke it's like,
0: it's like he's having a stroke but his face oh my
1: god he's like oh I,
0: he has he, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way he has that same look on his face the rest of the movie like he just looks perpetually shocked <laughs> yeah <just> super shocked <laughs> it's fucking hysterical I know I couldn't take him
1: seriously.
0: No, like the man is in danger and is in a place that's like not super safe for him. I mean, maybe it's safe for him, but like, he's not in a great, like this woman's not taking great care of him or anything, you know, like he could, he could definitely be getting better care and he clearly has needs that aren't being met and you'd feel sorry for him. But at the same time, like you just look at his face and you have to just crack up. How do you not Google? Google Rosario from the Black Journal or Gran Bolito and look at his face. <laughs> Pause the podcast. Do it right now and go yeah, look it Yeah, go. Up.
1: You can get there. If, if it's too hard to spell, you can just look up this movie on IMDb. Well,
0: and, I mean, you also it. you also listen to the episode. It's literally in the title oh. of, of whatever you just clicked on to listen to this. <laughs> 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 Refer from there. Um, Okay, so She, oh, this is, it's even worse Because she yells at him, like, while he's having the stroke She tells her son to go get a doctor But then she yells at her husband To stop having the stroke Yeah, just stop (laughs) this right now (laughs) She's like, stop it, stop it (laughs) And then she's like, I told you this house is bad luck (laughs) While he's having a stroke (laughs) Oh (laughs) And then she basically, yeah, okay, so they hire a young mute girl named Tina to help care with for Rosario and the house. Like, right before he had the stroke, he was like, I'm going to help, you know, we'll get somebody— To help clean this place. Because it's too big. You're right. It's a little too big. We'll just get a uh, maid. So they get a maid to help clean and take care of Rosario. Uh, Later at her little lottery shop, Berta bops in and she wins the lottery. And it seems like she's been buying tickets for a while to try to move to America with her husband. Who, by the way, she admits that she hasn't seen in 20 fucking years. I'm sorry, (laughs) why are you going to live with this man that you don't even know anymore?
1: Hmm? 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 Oh my god, that whole thing, like... the whole story. I mean, she adds to it later on what else she did.
0: But still, like what what? The all these ladies have wild lives.
1: I know. She's like, "If only I had taken the ticket that he had given me and gone to America instead of giving it to my sister."
0: Yeah, I'll get into that later <laughs> on. Like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, she gives the she gives her train ticket that her husband sent to for her to her sister. <laughs> For some reason, not trade ticket, ship ticket. I don't know. Yeah. It- oh yeah. You can't get
1: from Italy to United States. Yeah.
0: They weren't, they weren't flying. Planes were <laughs> yeah. not commercial yet. I don't think. Or if they were, cause this is like, this is like right before world war II. Yeah. It's, it's like 1938, 38? I guess. Yeah. It's like 1938 ish. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. You're not flying commercially. Especially if you're, like, not super wealthy. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you're not flying across from Italy to America right before World War II. No. Okay, so he was waiting for her in America after World War I, uh, Berta's husband, but she decided not to go. Instead, sending her sister, like Morgan just said, her sister's children and a servant to America for her husband instead of herself. (laughs) What? Uh, Berta tells Leah that now that her husband is old and alone... Her sister, the kids, and the servant are apparently all dead and she doesn't really explain how they all died. No. Uh yeah. But I love Berta. She's saucy and fun and she flirts and she makes naughty sex jokes at every chance she gets. I
1: know. Oh my god, it's so great.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's she is in she's instantly the most likable character in the whole film. I love her so much. I do too. Yeah. So she tells, Leah tells Berta that all of her children died from miscarriage, illness as a baby, or were stillborn. By the way, the subtitles kept saying that it was an abortion, but I mean, she clearly says that they died in her womb, like, while she was still pregnant and very much meaning to have them, so they meant miscarriage. It was just poor translation.
1: What, with abortion?
0: Yeah. Well, for, uh, well,
1: people don't know this, but at a certain point when it is a miscarriage, it's not the... Medical term is abortion, spontaneous oh. abortion.
0: Oh, all right. Well, like st- okay, but still, like in common, in layman's term, you just say miscarriage. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess that's like a really literal um, translation. That's all I meant by that was that it was a super literal translation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they either died by miscarriage, illness as a baby, or were stillborn, and that Mikhail is her only surviving child. It's why she smothers him in love and is overbearing, <laughs> way overbearing, way. Don't- I will get into it just how far <laughs> of the line she goes, cause it's ridiculous. Uh, but she's super overbearing enough to do anything to keep him alive, out of the impending war, and away from his new girlfriend Sandra, of whom Leah doesn't like or approve of. She hasn't even met her yet, but she doesn't approve of her. Uh, she get she first get wind gets wind of Sandra's existence at the church where Mikhail has brought her. She asks Lisa about her, and Lisa tells her that Lee and Lisa tells Leah that Sandra is a gymnast. Teacher from out of town that is staying with some of their neighbors. Uh, Bert, which happens to actually be their one of their friends, who I'll talk about later. But anyway, so uh Berta comes into church late just as Mikhail and Sandra slip out. True to character, she guss, Berta gushes over how attractive she finds the priest.
1: <laughs> I like she's how like, she rubs her lips.
0: Yes. She's her like, oh, like, it's so attractive, rubs her lips, and then she like crosses herself. <laughs> no
1: she's like looking him up and down as she crosses her side. it's so great
0: yeah um she, she
1: starts praying
0: <laughs> i fucking love her she's so great she's like the old lady i'd want to be friends with for sure me too i'd be i'd, I'd hang out with berta she sounds like i a would good
1: definitely day. hang out with her yeah she she, like she seems like time. she'd
0: drink martinis yeah i would drink a martini with berta absolutely <laughs> <laughs> After the service, Lisa confides in Leah that she has seen the devil in the church right where Leah was previously sitting. Lisa says she has tried garlic and a bunch of other superstitious remedies to keep the devil away, but that <laughs> yeah. That she continues to see him. Leah is dismissive of this and tells her to just make a cross and dips Lisa's fingers in holy water and crosses her forehead, heart left shoulder, right shoulder. <laughs> Uh, Enter Stella This is when you meet Stella for the first time Stella played by Renato Pazaro And Stella is in her apartment In nothing but a silk slip And a flowy, feathery, blue See-through robe, talking on the phone To someone she affectionately refers to As Piggy (laughs) Leah knocks on the door and Stella Ends her phone call as Leah enters the apartment Looking for the young virgin girl Who Mikhail brought to church
1: (laughs) It's so, like, seething. Yeah, she's,
0: like, on the hunt.
1: Yeah, and she's, like, slyly calling her slut,
0: sort of, yeah, in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's super uh, passive-aggressive.
1: Oh, yeah. That <laughs> whole conversation is...
0: Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, so are you allowed to have uh, men here? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, I can have as many men as I want, by the way. Uh, Stella talking about her parents is amazing and I thought, <laughs> I'm about to get into that so, I rewound that and watch that again me too I probably watched that three or four times <laughs> so Stella tells her that she sleeps in the other room and that she's a good girl who teaches and that she doesn't dance for money as Leah suggests Leah yeah, Leah inquires if men are allowed to sleep in Cell's apartment, or to visit Cell's apartment. She says, there are. I can't stand any rules. Always have been that way since I was a little girl. She then, she then proceeds to tell Leah of how her father used to crack walnuts with his penis in brothels.
1: <laughs> I like how the pause, she's like, my father used to crack walnuts. But it's all in Italian, of course. And she yeah. turns with to her it. and goes,
0: With <laughs> his penis. <laughs> well he says he says, with his thing, you know <laughs> and that her and that her mother pretended to be frigid, but was actually a loud firecracker in bed. Leah tells Stella that uh like the scree that she could hear the screams and that it was like being at a concert or something. Uh... Do you remember what she says exactly? She says something like it was like being at an event, that's how loud her mother was screaming when she was having sex with her dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, some I think an opera or something.
0: Yeah, it was something like, Oh wow, your mom's really fucking loud. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And about
1: uh, her red hair. <laughs>
0: yeah well a i nice think
1: or something
0: yeah she said that she had you know fire red hair boobs ass all of that yeah <laughs> that's how she describes her own mother it's amazing uh so leah tells stella that she isn't impressed with sandra and she just kind of storms off and next we see leah skinning and preparing a lamb for easter supper that the priest sent over she takes the heart out of the lamb and puts it in a jar with a picture and what looks to be perhaps a dehydrated Pufferfish? look it's something spiny and round I'm not real sure what it was yeah but I had no idea what that was it was some weird voodoo shit that she was doing though for sure
1: I thought it was a durian at first and then I was like I don't think they had those in Italy but I have no idea like during yeah
0: this- yeah maybe I don't know man I'm not sure what that was but it was weird so she teaches Tina as she's doing this she teaches Tina the word blood because you know the girls mute and can't barely talk and tells her that many good things can be done with blood she goes on to tell Tina that back in her hometown they still do human sacrifices uh what it's the late 30s in Italy <laughs> like, no they don't <laughs> no who the fuck? Who the who the fuck do you know, Leah? That's still doing human sacrifices. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Uh Now a little. <laughs> now now a little get together is happening, and Stella is singing a silly a silly kind of repetitive song, and uh, everyone seems happy. Bird is still flirting with the priest. Leah is flitting about and serving food and tea, and Rosario looks scared to fucking death as he stiltedly shouts for cake. <laughs> At this point, we haven't seen her kill anybody, and then there is no reason to believe that he has seen her kill anyone, but this shout of cake seems more like a warning than a request. At the very least, it certainly is foreshadowing. Stella walks over and grabs her glasses from Stella's roommate, hastily, almost, accusingly, like, these are my glasses, don't touch them. You know, Lisa walks over to Father Honorio. That's the priest's actual name, by the way, and asks him for advice about her friend's uh, frequent sightings of Satan. <laughs> like <laughs> this this poor girl, I feel like she's schizophrenic or something. Like she keeps hallucinating, yeah. I know. it's really
1: terrible. like the <laughs> at first, it was like, I saw the images of the devil. You know, he was behind me or like in your seat or whatever. And then it starts getting super sexual. Yeah. Every time she brings it up, his, like, talking about his penis or him being naked on her her table and stuff.
0: Or touching her. Yeah. Or hitting, or hitting her. Yeah. yeah. It gets weird, but we'll talk about that a little more later. <laughs> so, while Lisa is frantically discussing her devil trouble, Stella is whistling and playing the piano. And the tune sounds like it came right out of in Io e. Morricone's brain. He's the legendary composer behind the music of spaghetti westerns like the good, the bad, and the ugly, and his music has been featured heavily in Tarantino films, uh, the last being Django Unchained. Morricone basically said he didn't wanna didn't enjoy the experience of working on Django and didn't want to work with Tarantino on anything ever again after that.
1: Ouch. Oh wow. Yeah. Damn.
0: Yeah. But yeah, don't you agree that him whistling there playing the piano looked like, you know, it could be a gun down at the OK Corral any minute?
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> it really did remind me of, um oh, man, um, it made Clint me think, Eastwood, like yeah, Good, ma- Bad and Ugly, Few Dollars More.
0: It, yeah, it made me think of Spaghetti dollars. Westerns and it made me think of Kill Bill. Yeah.
1: Like for a minute and-
0: there, I was convinced that that tune was in a Tarantino film. And I Googled frantically, but could not find anything to support that. (laughs) But yeah, I tried to make that connection and it's just, it's just similar, but it's not the same, but anyway.
1: Yeah. So that whistling song in that scene, uh, just reminded me of Sergio Leone's uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. It's like my favorite spaghetti Western of all time. And I know all the words and it's is so that, good.
0: Is that the? Oh, I'm not doing it right. I know what you're talking about. How about that? Yeah, yeah. it's
1: I'm... it's really good.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking
1: about. I okay. mean, he he directed the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and that's I mean, you've you probably know that whistle from everywhere. But once upon a time in the West had all those like repetitive sounds and whistling noises.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I mean, that's like his thing. So well, yeah. Like. Throughout that whole movie, there's like a whistling. And it kind of re- did bring me back to Once Upon a Time in the West. And if, okay. if you want to watch a good spaghetti Western, it's a really good spaghetti Western. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. The next, I will say this.
1: <laughs>
0: the next Western on my list is actually Bone Tomahawk. Hmm. That's the next Western I'm going to watch because it's a horror Western. And it's supposed to have this really grisly scene. And it's got, it's got my man, Kurt. Uh, oh, Kurt Whistle. Yeah, it's got my man Kurt Russell in it, so I can't pass that up. It's it came out like three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. I just haven't watched it yet.
1: Oh yeah, I watched the trailer of this, but I've never watched it. Oh, it looks scary. It's supposed to that be really big good. Guy, yeah, real big guy.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be good. But yeah, okay. So Maria, Father Honorio's sister, comes over and sits next to Berta, expressing that she will be missed after she moves to America. Sentimental, Berta tries to take off one of her rings off of her finger to give to Maria, but it won't budge, not even <laughs> at not even after Berta licks her finger yes. in, an, yes. in an attempt to give it some lubrication. Maria warns her not to take it off because it's bad luck. Everyone's so superstitious in this movie, yeah, everybody's like, that's bad luck, <laughs> yeah, and begs her to write at least once a week after she moves to America. Leah gives a toast to Berta and her new life in America. It's almost the big day. Berta leaves for America tomorrow. Now they're going to get her ticket for the ship, and she sees a huge mural of the ship, and it freaks her out, and the idea of being on a huge boat, and but Leah forces her to go get her ticket. Uh, she stops in. She stops in what Leah does, stops in what I guess is like housing for college or something, like a dorm maybe, and she's looking for Mikhail, who is as his friends put it, studying anatomy. (laughs) Uh, Meaning he's in bed with his girlfriend. Uh, (laughs) Leah tells Mikhail that she wrote to him about her visit. She's outraged that his girlfriend is unashamedly lying down with just a sheet covering her, nonchalantly talking to her. Leah tells Mikhail to pack his bags and to come home right now. And he's like, "Um, uh, please leave. I want you to go. She calls him ungrateful and pitches a fucking fit, saying things like I gave you everything, my hair, my nails. And she does say that she literally ripped her nails off and like, sacrificed some of her hair to the to the devil at some point to get Mikhail to live before he was born crazy shit (laughs) but then um, Mikhail pulls her out out of the room and is like deeply embarrassed that his mother's showing this display of overbearingness in front of all his peers and his girlfriend yeah Uh, yeah crazy crazy levels yeah, she slaps him and storms off, and he refuses to go home with her. Um, on the train home, Leah looks miserably out the window, while Berta talks of all the men that had been on the ship with her husband when he went off to America and how sad he looked, waving and crying. She's like, I don't know why I'm thinking about all the men that were on the ship, but boy, do I remember <laughs> them. They were
1: all so young, so handsome.
0: She's, so many men. She's so horny. Yeah. <laughs> she's the horniest old woman in the world. Oh my god, it's hilarious. Okay, uh, back at home, Leah see Leah saws the ends of two of the legs off of a table on one side so that it slants at an angle, and she read she rings something. Out on the table, it looks like meat almost, but it's like a big spongy blob of something that has yeah, water I in it.
1: Yeah, I don't oh, know. oh, that had the water in it. That was yeah,
0: soap, I think. Was it? Oh God, it didn't. I don't know what it looked like or what it was exactly, but oh, it was cheese. Maybe I don't know. It was gross looking. Though. <laughs> mozzarella. It looks like a mound of fucking flesh. Is what it looks it,
1: like. It looked like mozzarella. But
0: Ma- No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. Like a big. Is it is mozzarella? Is mozzarella that color before? It's It's like white. Wasn't that white? No, it was like Uh this weird fleshy tan color.
1: Well, yeah, the whatever it's called that you squeeze out of it, um, Mm. rennet. No, it's not rennet. I don't remember what comes out of the first squeezing phase. Mm. Well, if
0: cheesemaker, but if many cheesemakers, know. If you know for sure that that was mozzarella. (laughs) <laughs> i did not know mozzarella looked so gross to begin with <laughs> thank you for that i mean it was um, cheesecloth and she's there was no cloth she just ra- she just basically pressed it into the table and then no, it had of... a
1: cloth around it and she had it a like it's a
0: white thing in wait uh, so maybe i'm thinking cloth. of what the cloth looked like yeah it was probably dingy okay okay so she was squeezing the whatever out of cheese i guess Anyway, the point of this whole scene is to illustrate that you can drain things off the side of this table now into, like, a wash bin.
1: Yeah, she really planned that shit out.
0: Oh, yeah. Meticulously. So... <laughs> Sorry, actually, I got you lost it's, on the... It's, it's fine. Um, satisfied with what she's done, she says to herself, now I'm ready. The doorbell rings, and it's Berta! Leah invited her to sleep over that night uh, before the trip so she could see her off. Berta struts about in her new outfit, clearly happy and excited about the cruise. Leah shows her off to her room for the night, and we cut to the couple spinster neighbors that uh, enjoy spying on Leah and her friends. (laughs) She calls Berta the crazy one, and that the other one replies, they're all crazy. And to that, the first first girl says, it's the best looking one then. (laughs) And like I said earlier, the actor who plays Berta is easily the most attractive in drag. So they're not wrong. Back at Leah's, Berta has ventured down to the kitchen for some water. She keeps talking about how she can't sleep and she's really thirsty. And Leah tells her that she will whip her up a concoction to help. Now while the drink is being made for her, she goes on this long rant about, I had so many men and I almost forgot them all. And she goes through and literally talks about basically all her little relationships and what went wrong or whatever. She says that her husband is practically a stranger, a nobody, and that he's old. And right after she's Says that Leah off-screen cleaves her in the neck and decapitates her. <laughs> the way the head flies. Yeah, okay. it's yeah, it's comical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see much gore, save for some blood on the table that she's wiping up, and Berta's hand with that ring that she tried to give away earlier, still on it as it's boiling in a pot with the rest of her body. Why would you not take the ring off? Yeah, like you've already clearly cut her up cut that part out yeah just take that finger off (laughs) yeah just take that finger off like really you just left okay i I, she planned it so meticulously but leaves details like that i just don't understand look i'm just saying i'd be super thorough if i was planning on murdering anyone Yeah, Yeah. Definitely.
1: I mean, you I'm do not. a crime podcast.
0: You have to. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I legitimately am a, uh, am a gentle soul. I cried when I ran over a frog once, but you know, <laughs> I would be thorough. You see her pour caustic acid in, or lye in the pot to help break down the fat. And later the next day, I guess for the next morning, you see Tina helping her grind down the bones into a fine powder that she uses for flour. Gross. Yeah. So next, Leah is giving her grown-ass son, Mikael, a bath. And we see all of him, from sternum to flaccid penis. I know Italy has a more open and intimate culture than we do in America, but I gotta assume that this is weird in most places in the world.
1: That's definitely weird. He's an adult. Yeah.
0: He's an adult male.
1: Full grown ass man. He's like 20 <laughs> years old. Like what? Yeah, he's in his twenties or so. And she's like soaping him up and wiping yeah. him down.
0: And she's like really close to his dick at one point. You're like, yes, this is close. This is like inappropriate. This like her really... head went down and I was like, no. And oh my god. Did you do the same thing? Yeah, I well, I didn't think that was gonna happen. Okay, you know. I went no, <laughs> but but like out loud. But I did go. Oh, that's some interesting <laughs> camera angle right there. Mm.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so uh, she tells him that she wants to go to him to go to this dance with her, and he says that he would like to do that. And then later at the dance, Sandra shows up, and Leah is instantly so insanely jealous and angry and hurt. And then you see Lisa show up with, I think, another male actor in drag as a woman, although this one isn't a main character. And then it kind of cuts to later that night and Mikhail arrives home from the dance to find his mother sulking still in her dress from the dance, just like in a room, just like pouting. (laughs) Oh, wow, mom, real mature. (laughs) So So the following day... Leah has the whole gang of ladies over and they are chatting about lottery numbers and, you know, like chatting about while Berta hasn't written, you know, some other things that are kind of frivolous and not super important. And Maria, the priest sister mentions whispers of war and Lisa warns her not to talk about war around Leah and Leah brings out her dead man's bones cookies. Yeah. What the fuck? A- Made on the nose considering they're literally made out of Berta's bones. And they look like fingers. They look like fingers with blood on the end.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> like a bad paint job. Like a nail job. Just reminds me of like a long fingers with either blood or a bad paint job.
0: It looks like some like cheap things that you would wear on your fingers for Halloween or something. (laughs) The witch fingers. Yes! That's what it looks like. It's just, it's so absurd. But they're, like, all sitting there eating them and going, oh, this is so good. Mmm. And then uh, I think it was Berta who's like, "But this isn't flour, though, right?" Or not Berta. It's um, uh, Stella. It's Stella. Sorry. Is it Stella? Yeah, Stella's like, "Oh, these are so good." Like, but but what's in them? This is not flour, she says. And then she's like, "Oh yeah, there's it's not just flour. There's also this hard bark back from the south where I grew up that they send to me that you have to grind down in the mortar with a mortar." It's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And then, and then uh. The maid yells out, Phosphorus! That's what it's got in it. Phosphorus! Because that's like one of the words that she's learned. Yeah. Phosphorus. Phosphorus! 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 What? Mikhail drops by and Lee slaps his hand away as he tries to grab a cookie, and she tells him that the cookies have too much sugar for him, and that she paid too much to fix his teeth. But I think it's just because she doesn't want him to eat her sacrifice. Yeah, because she eats it. Yeah, she doesn't have. She doesn't care if she eats it, but like the person she's trying to save can't eat the sacrifice in her mind or something. Ah, uh, maybe. I mean, it's it's. I, well, yeah. I mean, it's all crazy logic anyway. But <laughs> I'm just trying to like get in her headspace. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Later outside her shop, the nosy neighbors from earlier come to inquire about Leah's soap that she is selling and it's the soap made out of Berta. She tells them that she unfortunately has sold out but she finds one final piece in her purse and gives it to them as a gift. Uh, as they walk away, they say, let's not be fooled, and her hands are scaly. <laughs> it's, like they, it's like they know she's evil. Uh, Leah sees that Sandra has just returned to town and follows her to her studio that she practices gymnastics in. She watches her do stretches and laughs to herself when she falls over. This is actually a ballet studio, and, but maybe there wasn't a gymnasium around. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so back at Leah's, Tina is getting ready for a bath that Leah is giving. <laughs> it's What? It's all with the bone
1: soap, right? Because she gives bath with the bone soap and then well, she gets the fat
0: soap. soap. It's not bone soap. It's fat.
1: Oh, fat soap.
0: The fat is what renders with the lie. Yeah. Soap. Sorry,
1: not the bone. It's not yeah. phosphorus. You've seen Fight Club? Yeah, no. Oh yeah, Andrew <laughs> called her the old Italian Fight Club lady. Fight granny. Club lady. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> exactly. All right, so so you see everything on Tina by the way. Full bush, full tits. I mean, she doesn't have big tits or anything, but you see her whole body because the Italians have never been shy with their full frontal shots.
1: Yeah, there's a dick and then bush.
0: Especially in giallos, there's so much tits and bush in giallos. Oh yeah, there is. Yeah, that's yeah. all that is. That's one of the, that's that's one of the first things I told Mark about about giallos. I was like, look, <laughs> these are the hallmarks of giallos. There's lot, there's lots of nudity. There's gonna be a killer with black gloves, and there's gonna be like Technicolor red blood. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not gonna make much sense either. The story's gonna be nonsense. And then there's bushes everywhere. And there's bushes everywhere. That's a giallo. <laughs> 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 They're not all like that, but there's a lot of them like that. But anyway, we love you, Italy. We love your giallo. Love you a long time. Opera's my favorite. That's a that's an Argento film. So I get the feeling that Tina isn't just mute, but also maybe has like a learning or developmental disorder. Cause, yeah, because yeah, she just, I don't know. There's situations where it's like she's not quite all there maybe
1: yeah i don't i don't think she's i think she's like handicapped several
0: different ways yeah she clearly like there are certain things that she doesn't respond to the way i don't know i guess most people would Do you know what i mean yeah okay She's um, developmentally challenge. i think so yeah i don't know exactly what's going on there but there's something besides the fact that she can't talk but yeah so leah as she's bathing there is like Are you still a virgin? And Tina's response is to sing a hymn about the Virgin Mary. (laughs) I think, you know what? I think that sums it up right there. That response to that question sums up where she's at. So... What's the deal with her giving the, like, let's go back to what's the deal with her giving baths to adults? The only person who I think actually needs her help bathing is her poor husband, and we never see her give him a bath.
1: Oh, seriously, I didn't think about that. Yeah. She complains about him peeing on himself at one point.
0: Yeah, and he's literally the only person that needs her to bathe him, I feel like. Yeah, but they're all
1: capable adults, and he's paralyzed.
0: Yeah, but she's bathing everybody else. (laughs) Good point. Wow. Yeah. Um, Leah encourages and sends Tina nude into Mikhail's room, but Mikhail rebuffs her advances and sends Tina out of the room. Uh, Defeated, Leah knows she will have to take more drastic measures to get Sandra out of Mikhail's life. Things escalate quickly as Lisa arrives begging for help and claiming to be going crazy. Leah lets her in and Lisa tells her that the devil, it's the devil who's haunting her, uh, that he has a huge dick and she's so ashamed of having to see it and she says that she'd rather die than live this way and that he's like slapped her and touched her while she's asleep and all. it's like she's getting like raped by the devil it sounds like almost
1: yeah and she said he took her her virginity and then uh did you catch that? Mm-hmm. she's like he took my virginity and then Leah goes for the second time
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like wow well, it's it's a crazy thing that's supposedly happening to her yeah, or she's that she's at least, the... yeah she's experiencing demon sex like it, it might it's not gotta ha- be a name for that i mean i still think that she's got like schizophrenia or something and that she's just like having really vivid like hallucinations
1: Yeah, she's definitely delusional.
0: So, Lisa says, or, uh, Leah says that she'll make Lisa a warm something to drink to, like, calm her down. And Lisa says that, uh, it's good. And then, so Leah's response to that is, it pairs well with my dead man's bones. It calls it, like, old woman's milk or something. Yeah, I have no fucking clue. Which is the most disgusting name for a drink. (laughs) Old woman, no, mm-mm. I don't want old woman's milk. What is that? <laughs> but <laughs> but given the way they act after drinking it, I feel like it had booze in it because she's like weirdly giddy and kind of drunk acting after that. Uh, Leah like walks into the kitchen and Lisa, uh, and she's convinced by Leah that laying flat on her slanted table will make her feel better so lisa does this and she's like oh you know what it actually does feel good i think i'm like my blood's like circulating better or something and she goes you know earlier i was you know i was lying but now i think i'd actually i'd like to die like how beautiful to die and then leah slams a cleaver down beheading her (laughs) (coughs) ask and you shall receive yeah right it feels like that a bit
1: I because mean, she I was
0: gonna die now. I mean, she was definitely gonna kill her, whether she said she was at peace or not. But I mean, at least, <laughs> at least it sort of seems like Lisa kind of wanted to go. <laughs> Whereas, like, no one else did. Everyone else was still like planning to live their life, but Lisa was like, you know what? It's a good day to die. Yeah, she's
1: like, I'm having all these hallucinations, and now this feels fine, so I'm ready to die. I'm good. Just yeah.
0: That is that's, putting it out there. Yeah, that is kind of kind of how it plays out it's a little odd the following day yeah the following day leah goes to cash in lisa's bonds and the bank clerk tells her to reconsider because the price of bonds is expected to rise but leah insists and like i said earlier the actor who's playing the bank teller in this scene is the one who plays berta so this is you getting to see him what he looks like as a man oh okay i didn't catch that one yeah that's berta Bird is the bank teller. Uh, Meanwhile, the nosy neighbors go to the priest's sister and tell her that the soap that they got from Leah is preventing them from sleeping. They said it's like the devil is in the soap and that the soap doesn't smell very good either. Uh, She sends them away angrily, but does notice that something isn't quite right with the soap. Later on, Leah has Sandra over for dinner with the family and it is awkward. Tina at, one, yeah, Tina at one point, like, pulls Sandra into the kitchen where Leah does her killing, but Sandra doesn't quite understand what Tina is trying to tell her. Tina's pointing to the table and looking at her instruments, clearly trying to say, terrible things have happened here, but, you know, Sandra doesn't really know what she's trying to say. And she gets interrupted by Leah, who's like, don't ever do what you're doing ever again. Say it. Tell me that you won't ever do it again. Say it again and again. And she's like, I won't do it again. I won't do it again. It's a little traumatic for the girl, for sure. But the dinner's interrupted by the priest who begs Leah to come quickly because his sister is sick. So... Father Norio, as they're walking quickly over to Maria's apartment, he's like, so Maria, all she was saying was something about the soap. Leah seems to instantly know her mistake because she ducks quickly into their bathroom and finds Berta's ring sticking out of the soap. I said it earlier, that ring, it was stupid of her not to take it off the woman's finger.
1: (laughs) I know, that's what I was like confused about because that's what I thought bone soap because I thought her finger was in it. But it's just the ring, right?
0: It's just, well, yeah, if the bones were clearly removed and it shows her grinding up the bones later, so she separated the two things. Yeah, she didn't pick it out then? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's what's so absurd. Like, I'm sorry, it's, what? You picked like those... bones out but left a ring in. Have you ever heard of those jewelry candles you can buy? I have bought one of the bath bombs before. It has like a <laughs> ring in it. Yeah, Yeah. that's what it reminded me. That's what it made me think of too. (laughs) Absolutely. Like it was a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta be honest. Well, if I didn't know that it was someone who went missing's ring, I'd be like, "Ooh, free ring!" (laughs) Yeah, no, I wouldn't even say anything. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) be like, "Nice gimmick." Yeah. Right, Leah. Leah, so clever. You should have gone into marketing. <laughs> so she grabs the ring and stashes it in her pocket before going to talk with Maria. Leah admits to, Le- to Maria that she killed Berta, that Berta is dead. And Maria's basically like, I'll tell the cops. But later we're at her funeral and we're, I guess, to assume that Leah had something to do with it but she's attending the funeral with everyone else and is not in custody, so we don't really know exactly what happened to the sister, to the priest's sister, Maria. All we know is that she's dead now, and she didn't rat out Leah, I guess. Yeah, she didn't so get a chance to. She didn't get a chance to. I don't think Leah gave her the chance to. I think Leah probably, like, smothered her or something. Yeah, I think that's what it implied,
1: because she was laying in the bed.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And she had the pillow on her stomach when she's talking to her.
0: Yeah, I think she just got smothered. So a detective, played by Max von Sydow, he's the chief, uh, in this, also. He has Leah come in for questioning due to Berta never making it to America, or even boarding the ship, despite her luggage already being sent ahead. Leah proclaims her innocence and is immediately very defensive, and she gets ups- and she says that she's just upset about the new- this news, in addition to the death of Father Honorio's sister. Back at home, Leah has Stella over and complains about how people gossip about the German whore, referring to herself, Stella is, and how sad it is to be alone and foreign she begins to play a somber song of the piano and as stella plays and sings leah comes up behind her and offs her like the rest of them just whack <laughs> and then i love that later she wakes poor tina up out of a dead sleep and is like there's some dirt under the piano clean it up and you go back to bed yeah um,
1: what the fuck was that all about
0: yeah and then like oh i've got to go somewhere but i'll be back it's the middle of the fucking night <laughs> What? Like, how is that not fishy, you know? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So she goes goes off to Stella and Stella's roommate's old place and steals something from Stella's roommate and kind of makes it look like Stella robbed the neighbor. Because then we're in—or robbed her roommate. Because then we're in the neighbor's, the nosy neighbor's apartment, and they're reading the newspaper that said that Stella was the one who robbed the neighbor— or her roommate and then took off perhaps in connection to the disappearances of her friends Lisa and Berta like that's what the headline said on the newspaper and they're like that seems fishy that doesn't sound right because they've been on to Leah this whole time apparently then Leah's worst nightmare happens Mikhail is drafted for the war no no Uh, she literally everything I did (laughs) I know she literally slams the door in the cop's face and is like no you have the wrong house go somewhere else like <laughs> That's going to stop it. And I mean, which is great because he just slyly grins and just slips the slip under the door. Like, yeah, you can't he still stop... gets it in. Yeah, like <laughs> you can't stop this lady. It's happening whether you like it or not. So, Mikhail, she goes to pick up Mikhail, and Sandra's like supposed to stay with Leah and Rosario, but she doesn't want to stay there. She tells Mikhail that she doesn't feel comfortable or welcome and that she's only staying with his parents for him. What a girlfriend. Because I wouldn't stay with this mother. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I. You're not. You're not worth your mother's trouble. Yeah, seriously. I oh, sorry. sorry. Nope. I'm out.
1: Yeah. Sorry. You're your too mother... much of a mama's boy.
0: Sorry. Your mother's a deal breaker. Um, and it, what's what's crazy to me is she clearly knows at some point when they're in the, alone in the room together, Sandra says to Leah, "Enough with the sweaters and the baths." Like <laughs> she she knows that the mom's been bathing her adult son. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking weird. What's crazy is she knows this and has not broken up with him. Yeah, for real. That's like close to incest. Yeah, I'm sorry if I found out that my mom, that my boyfriend was getting bathed by his mother. I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm out. Uh, I I think
1: anybody that is well put together (laughs) would be like, all right, this is no.
0: That's too much. Yep, I'm out.
1: A little bit of relationship advice. If this is happening to you today, run.
0: Yes. Run oh my, away. Oh my God, run. Why have you not run if this is happening? Yeah. Um. This reminds me of an American Dad episode, actually, because we all know that I love that show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> there's an episode where Stan's, Stan's mom comes to stay with them for a little while. Like her I think, I guess her boyfriend that she was dating left her or something. And then Francine, or it's either Roger or Francine. I think it's Roger. Roger walks into the bathroom and sees that Stan and his mother are in the tub together. And they're like singing, this is the way we wash our tush, wash our tush or something like that. Oh my God. And then Stan just, I mean, um, Roger shuts the door and backs out slowly and goes to Francine and goes, I know you said that him and his mother had an inappropriate relationship or an unnatural relationship, but Franny, well, what is this? You didn't tell me it was this. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. And then you find out that Stan's been having his mother's boyfriends put on this deserted island for years and that he's the reason why she can't keep a man.
1: Oh, my God. I need to watch more of that movie.
0: I mean show. Sorry, dude. It's it's honestly like it's my happy show. If I'm sad, I put on American Dad. Oh, I love that show so much. I could qu- quote whole episodes. Probably it's kind of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on. I have posted more posts to the American Dad subreddit than I care to admit. <laughs> mhm. You know an we all look. We all have our hobbies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is American Mhm, And it's one of them, for sure. So, um, where was I? Okay, so she doesn't feel comfortable staying there, like I said. After they drop Mikhail off at the train station, they get to that point where they have words, and she's like, enough of the baths and the sweaters, and I'm not afraid of you. And Leah's like, you should be afraid of me. And then she shuts the door and fucking locks her in the room. Yeah,
1: that was fucking terrifying.
0: And Sandra's like, oh, door's locked, I'm trapped, oh shit, fuck. And then she, like, ties Tina up, because you know of what tina was doing earlier and she ties to into a chair then tina screams bloody murder like you said what a scream <laughs> yeah that was like the scream ever yeah uh but then she just kind of like puts her fingers to her lips and it's kind of just like shh and yes, tina just like, oh yeah and then tina just kind of shushes so leah you, then you see leah creep into sandra's room with her cleaver like ready to attack but sandra's like i'm pregnant and it makes leah like pause because of her long history of pregnancies and also the fact that this is now her grandchild and she just kind of pauses and lingers and that gives the police just enough time to get into the house and to arrest her. She says to her husband as they take her away that first she's like, only God knows why I killed and then she's like, no, only I know why I killed. (laughs) Yeah. So Tina's just left to care for Rosario. She's like, Tina, there's some cake in the cabinet, Get feed it to him. Yeah, that was so fucked. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> feed a person to him, basically. Tasty. And the final shot is of Leah being taken in and people yelling monster at her, to which she kind of just wryly turns around and goes, who, me? You must be crazy. And that's the end.
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: Yeah, it's a fun movie. It's the most fun I've had watching a movie since The Dentist, probably. when you say it's been a while since we've had one that feels lighthearted and you don't feel bad about it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I really do think it's, yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yeah, I thought we needed something that even though she definitely killed people and that's terrible, the film is so lighthearted and fun. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and the, the characters in drag are really great.
0: Yeah, it's a weird casting choice, but it weirdly kind of works. It's and fun. I
1: love how they're all, like, giant men, too. Because all, mm-hmm. all those actors are way taller than the other actors.
0: They're tall. Yeah, especially Max von Sydow. He is a giant.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, there's, he's standing next to the priest hitting on him, and he's like... <laughs> A good seven inches taller than him
0: yeah like uh what <laughs>
1: yeah no i love it
0: yeah it's great it's fantastic i love it
1: and the music uh, in it the little songs that they have throughout are great
0: yeah i mean honestly in between takes when it's just like or in between scenes when it's just instrumental music It's like a Western. I know. It's really crazy. And it's like this director was like, you know, I like what my fellow Italian men are doing with these Westerns. I think I'm going to do that in this movie that's absolutely not a Western. Yeah, that's
1: what I was wondering. I'm just like, this is so all over the place. And I was thinking like he was a famous spaghetti Western director, but he's.
0: No, he's not, though. Not. Yeah. You know what? It's a beautiful mess is what it is. I could and watch this again. Me too. Like I think this might be a new favorite of mine. I really like this movie. Yeah, I give it like four and a half out of five. Yeah, it's a good watch. It's funny mm-hmm. if you're as long as you're like not one of those people that are opposed to old film. Like my boyfriend, Just watch he, it. Just while talk. I was while I was watching it, he turned around and he was like, "Ugh, you know how I feel about that film grain. Looks terrible." <laughs> <laughs> Like oh. literally why you won't watch them. Yeah. Um. Oh. And I'm like, okay, go back to your video game, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> get him a VHS player.
0: Oh my god, he would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> Here's Look. your cultural device.
0: <laughs> Look, I get I get that old movies, especially like black and white films, which this is not, this isn't color. Um, I get that a lot of people aren't into that, but you should be more open-minded. Yeah, like just... some of the
1: silent films. Andrew likes a few. I, I can't remember the names. Um, like
0: M? Mm, maybe.
1: I don't know. Or
0: or Metropolis.
1: He usually puts it on when I'm really drunk and I'm like, man, this is making me drunker. <laughs> all the
0: flashing. <laughs> Those are both Fritz Lang good. films that I was oh, talking about.
1: It probably is like black and white silent films.
0: Well, they're both German silent films specifically, but. You know how I feel about Germany. I, I love the Germans. Love I love them. I love them. Mm-hmm. Also, I am I am part German. Ich liebe
1: Deutschland. Like
0: when I, yeah, when I got my 23andMe back, like the most predominant part of me is German. It's like mm. German. It's like German, Norwegian, and then there's like English, Scottish, some other stuff.
1: Mine was like 100% white. Seriously. Well, I was wh- like, what? <laughs>
0: well, well, what I just described are all white <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I'm very, I am also very, very white, despite the fact, despite the fact that my uh, grandmother is, uh, is not. Yeah, i had like nothing. Yeah. I think that's just a prevalent thing in the South that a lot of people think that they have something else. And then they're like, turns out I'm just really white. Yeah, I'm just
1: <laughs> super white.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the
1: rest of my family got it. I didn't.
0: Oh, see, that's just how genetics work. It's weird.
1: Yeah, I was like, "What? Uh, that's weird. I guess I'm not your sister." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like my my mom's like siblings all have like dark hair and brown eyes, but my mom's blonde and has green eyes.
1: Yeah, and you're super blonde, green
0: eyed. I have blue eyes, thank you. I
1: mean blue. Sorry, blue. I got my About. I got
0: my father. I got my father's eyes. Okay, <laughs> not my mom's. Which, yeah, I got green. I love my mom, but genetically, it's better if I get less of her. Just because, <laughs> look, she oh. she didn't she didn't win the genetic lottery, medically speaking.
1: Mm, and obviously. I'm glad that
0: I don't have a lot of those things passed down. Like she has asthma and COPD, and I don't have those things.
1: Mm, yeah, I'm I'm kind of upset that I inherited my dad's skin because my pores are just getting bigger and bigger. To the point where I can just probably put like a penny inside my pores.
0: Get yourself a refining mask.
1: <laughs> I've been giving myself
0: facials all the time,
1: and I don't mean dirty facials. Like, um, like nice Morgan. Facials.
0: <laughs> obviously, obviously, I didn't think that. That'd
1: be kind of hard. Probably use like a Pure Wick or something.
0: I don't, more I don't want to think of the logistics of that actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need um, it. Sorry. Next. Now, topic. yeah. So now, Mor- Morgan's gonna tell us about. Leonarda G- Chianculi. 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 Yeah. That's perfect. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. And welcome back.
1: Mm. That's <laughs>
0: right. Oh. I know, right?
1: I just hiccuped as I said that, so mine wasn't sexy. <laughs> mm. Yours was, though.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So, Morgan, tell us about Leonarda.
1: Mm. she was she was fucked up
0: <laughs> like she was a real fucked up lady yeah super
1: fucked up lady uh, I I read a lot on uh, like a, a lot of different websites there's not much about her like childhood other than it really sucked but I'll get into it alright okay leonarda Caniculi, right canachuli cian chuli so she was uh, born there's a couple of uh, dates out there but november 14th or november of 1893 she was born in montella province of avellino she was an italian serial killer known as the soap maker of coriego um She murdered three women in the town of Coriego Reggio Emilia between 1939 and 1940. She was not a wanted child. Uh, Leonardo's mother was raped when she was young. Then when her family found out that she was pregnant, they forced her to marry her rapist. Just let that sink in. She was forced to marry her rapist. Yeah. It's really... times and everything, they do do that. Or they, you know, just different cultures have fucked up shit around rape Mm. and owning the woman. Um, But yeah, they Mm. forced her to marry her rapist, so Leonardo had a terrible childhood full of abuse from her mom, especially. She reportedly attempted suicide two times in her childhood due to the mental abuse, and as well as the physical abuse. And then she was further ostracized when her father died. I couldn't get a year on when he died, but I know she was young and her mother remarried and then had a couple more children. So Leonardo's mother even further disowned her when Leonardo married a government office worker, Rafael Pensardi, instead of going through the arranged marriage to a wealthy man. So, like, her mom was forced to marry her rapist, and then her she was trying to force her to into this arranged marriage to this rich guy so she'd be taken care of. And so would Leonardo's mom
0: you would You would think that having been forced to marry someone that she didn't want to marry, especially her fucking rapist, that she of all people would understand wanting to marry for love.
1: Yeah, right? It's so fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, why why would you continue that? You have to, you know, stop that cycle. Don't don't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, she married this office worker who like wasn't making a lot of money, whatever. And they decided to uh, moved to a small town in 1921. There, there were terrible financial difficulties between her and her husband, and she was forced to work even when she had children or was trying to have children. And in 1927, she was arrested and sentenced to prison for fraud. I don't know what she did for the whole fraud thing, but she did spend some time in prison. And then the two moved yet again to get away from the town that they were disowned from.
0: And at this point, I think it was like check fraud or something like that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I couldn't, understand what type rod it was but at this point I'm not sure if she's attempting to have babies or has living children at this point but over the years Leonardo had a reported 17 pregnancies and 10 of her children child uh, died in childhood and then three ended in miscarriages and then the four that lived she became super overprotective of like really protective like
0: as protective as she was in the movie yes (laughs) (laughs)
1: Especially to her eldest firstborn son, um, which I guess would be our you know, Mikhail. Yeah, Mikhail. His name was not Mikhail.
0: Well, Um, I know,
1: (laughs) but yeah, she was then released from prison, uh, I think 29, and then they moved uh, to Lacedonia, Avellano. Um, Then their further tragedy struck when their house
0: house was destroyed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, their house was destroyed in the 1930 Erpinia earthquake. And Mm -hmm. that earthquake killed like thousands of people. Um, Yeah,
0: it was like a really deadly earthquake.
1: Yeah, they said it would have been way more deadly if the villagers weren't asleep in the fields. Or like when they're like farming and stuff. Most of the villagers were out working when it happened. How lucky! <laughs> yeah, some of them. Were they weren't like
0: asleep. on the top of a building, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why
1: they said they were asleep, <laughs> but. Apparently I mean, I know I
0: always take a nap on the job in the middle of a field. <laughs> nice I'm walking that dog. Right there. <laughs> I'm walking dogs. We just, like, sit down and take a 30-minute nap in the grass. They're good. My <laughs> hand's <fun>. clenched. <laughs> I tied it to my leg. <laughs> when they start drag
1: me, I wake up.
0: <laughs> yeah obviously I don't do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: if your dog's owners are listening she does not take naps on the job so yeah they know
0: this they know this though because I walk through an app
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it oh, literally they... tra- it GPS tracks my movement oh wow, that's cray cray well I mean that way they know that their dog is literally getting a walk oh uh, yeah true and then I send happy cute little pictures of their dog walking
1: they are cute. Those dogs are super cute. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the earthquake, everyone was napping in fields, and they escaped with their lives, but, I mean, this made them move again. So this time they settled in Coriego, uh, where Leonardo opened a small shop, and she was, like, super nice, a gently woman, a doting mother, uh, she was a member of the community. Apparently she was a really nice neighbor. Like all the things that you don't hear when like someone does something so fucked up, you know? All right. Um, like usually you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess you don't ever know anybody but at the same time with this type of crime and like her callousness on it I feel like there would have been some kind of sign that she was psychotic
0: people knew Ed Gin was a weirdo
1: Yeah, yeah. so she was a good member of the society in Corrieko, and there she... But you know
0: what? You know what, though? But so was BTK. He was like a deacon at his church. Oh, God. You know, he was like blending in perfectly.
1: He was, but everyone still called him an asshole.
0: Well, just because he was blending in doesn't mean... (laughs) Just because you're an asshole doesn't necessarily mean you're secretly a serial killer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true. I mean, he was really... Like, there's stories about him with the boys Scouts and him being super cruel to them and forcing them to do stuff but like this woman there's like no bad words spoken about her but that's true again again i see where you come from atk yeah. ugh, fuck that dude he's such an asshole i know what I an know. idiot yeah. um so in portieco um she was known as like super um superstitious Super superstitious. She was really into fortune telling, astrology, palm reading, so much so that she visited fortune tellers over the years and also visited palm readers. And one fortune teller warned her that she would marry and have children, but they would all die young. Um, and Ooh. another one, yeah. So she had some, apparently the two that told her future got it right. Um mm. I mean, well, I mean, she had four kids that lived, but this lady said. All of them be, would die? Yeah.
0: Sounds like sounds like the movie was closer to the, what the fortune teller said.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they, she had also seen another fortune teller in the past, and they said that. Well,
0: once you start, you can't stop. <laughs>
1: yeah you gotta always get your palm read so later after this first one he said all your kids will die so later she had her palm read like the next year or so by a romani woman who told her in your right hand i see prison and in your left hand a criminal asylum so that was her future so in 1939 uh this was around italy's entry into world war ii she found out that her eldest and favorite son giuseppe was to join the italian army so he could fight in world war ii uh leonardo became super freaked out and was like no i have to save my son's life he's not going there to be killed Huh.
0: Did you just call her Leonardo? <laughs> <laughs> I? I mean, I, th- I think so, but it's like a really easy mistake. <laughs> Leonardo, <laughs> not
1: to be confused do <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <Man>. So Leonardo, it's <laughs> like. I'm going to make some human sacrifices to save his life. Because that's like, you know, the thing to do to save your kids.
0: Yeah, um, that's totally <laughs> what normal people do. They don't go to St. Jude's. They're like, you know what? My cancer kid, going to kill some other kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's going to be some other kids that have to die. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will ritualistically sacrifice them. Perfectly
0: normal. Mm. Yeah, so that was her,
1: <laughs> her only saving grace to this situation. Like, oh, okay, you pulled my arm, gonna have to kill my friends. So in Corrieko, Leonardo had three friends, and her only three close friends, she fucking murdered, like, super mert, hmm <laughs> Like, super super mert, and, like, bad stuff happened. <laughs> um, so... These so descriptive. Super, yeah, super Mert, bad things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, these women were all middle aged. Um, all three of them were not married. Um, the first one was Faustina Setti. She was the oldest of her victims, and she came to Leonarda because Leonardo was doing fortune tellings, palm readings on the side to make some money, um, along with selling stuff from her shop. So Faustina came in asking if she could find her love. So she was in for asking for a lover, a husband. So Leonardo came up with this plan to convince her that, she had found someone to be her husband in Pola, which was like a town over from them. I don't know how far. I did not look it up. So she convinced her that they were perfect for each other and they need to get married. I I heard somewhere that she had written letters pretending to be this guy, but in like the more you know reputable sources, I couldn't. I didn't see any of that. But I mean, I don't know why she would just up and leave and go to Pola uh, with all of her things and stuff and it doesn't make sense so she had to it doesn't
0: make sense that it. she would yeah but yeah i feel like i would need a little more proof even if someone i really really trust if you told me hey i've got this guy for you over in this town he wants to marry you i'd be like i'm going to need to see a little more
1: yeah <laughs> I'm you're going to have gonna to hop see on them. a train yeah, yeah. Like, i mean this is early 1900s but i mean still they had like trains that you could go meet people, you know, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't
0: make sense that you would hop and just be like, yeah, this is it. I don't even, sight unseen, I don't even need to test it out first. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, okay, you're a fortune teller. I believe you. I'm good. I I just uh, paid uh, her a lot of money to do that. So Leonardo convinced her not to tell anybody about this great news that she found a husband in Pola. So she had asked her to write letters and postcards addressed to her relatives and all of her friends in the town to say that everything was okay and that she was going to write them soon and that she found the love of her life, all this stuff. So the night before she left, she came over to tell Leonardo goodbye. Um, it was then when Leonardo served her poisoned or that drugged wine, and they were talking, and when she fell asleep, she ended up killing her with an axe. She then drugged the body into a closet and cut it into nine pieces. And then she collected all the blood in a basin. Then she, this is what she wrote in her statement to the police. She wrote, I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets. and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it out in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a little bit of margarine. Kneading all the ingredients together, I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them.
0: Oh, so she the real. The real one let her son eat the food.
1: Yeah, yeah. She she let her son eat that shit. So. Ugh. Well, In if it's movie, good enough for her. Yeah, and she ate them too. And she had them like served at her shop. So everybody that would come by the shop, she would offer tea cakes to
0: them. Um, so she inadvertently made half the town unknowing cannibals.
1: Yes. And this is another cannibal story, Anna. She ate it. So it's technically cannibal. Well,
0: hey, that's how I build this. That's how we've been milling. <laughs> that's literally how we've been telling people about this episode. We've got a Thanksgiving episode for you folks and it's a cannibal story. (laughs) It's
1: a cannibal story. yeah she um she forced her son to- well she didn't force him she was probably like come here I made some cakes for my baby oh. A
0: Cookie, oh it's so <laughs> good mama I didn't even know that your friend's blood was in it
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot of fucking work and I bet it stunk um, ah
0: yeah that's the thing that I always don't understand is when there's other people living in the house with the killer and they've disposed of the body in the house it's like how did you guys not know that something was up
1: well also she had I mean <clears throat> I think she had made soap for her shop before. I would so be they
0: like, kind of knew that weird lie smell?
1: Yeah, but still, like, I feel they like it would, still
0: would be smell... still be dead body smell
1: too, right? Uh, well, she dried out the blood, so really the blood would be the stinky parts. Uh. She boiled everything else down, but, I so mean... So it would
0: just smell like cooking meat. Oh my <laughs> god, I don't want to cook it <laughs> Sorry. Yeah,
1: it would just smell like meat, pork, or something. Um, Actually...
0: Actually, I don't know if I I I told you this, but uh, I've I'm told that human doesn't actually smell like pork. I taste like pork. But that's what they say. Well, who's they, right? Who's this they that's eating all these humans? (gasps) But 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 you're probably wondering, how do I know that it doesn't taste like that? So I was listening to I don't remember what podcast it was. I think it was Stuff to Blow Your Mind. I was listening to it was either weird history or it was either ridiculous history or stuff to blow your mind and they were talking about how not too terribly long ago there was faux human meat made for people who were curious what the fuck
1: how would they even do I that I guess
0: they I so I don't know the <gasps> oh specifics God. But I think they may have talked to a tribe or something that knows what it actually taste, what people actually taste like, or maybe there was donated meat. I don't know the specifics. All I know is that they recreated the way people taste and they made fake meat so that you used to could buy. Oh. So that if well, you were well, curious, well. yeah, you could eat faux human if you were curious, but. Um, that morbid curiosity kind of dried up and the business went under, but for a while there, you could buy fake human meat.
1: Oh my God. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's it like grown in a lab? Cause I knew they can grow human body parts on like lab rats and stuff.
0: Well, you know, it's, I don't know what it's made out of, but I know that it's, it's, you know, it's like tofu or something. It's fake. So yeah. I don't know if it's just, like, however they make tofu. I don't know if they're just, like, you know, mashed soybeans or whatever, but... (laughs) I don't... I'm not sure. I don't know enough about this, because this is just one of those podcasts that I was, like, listening to, going to bed, you know? But I know for sure that there did used to be fake human meat. I forget what it was called. Oh, it was a bad pun, too. I don't... (laughs) I don't remember what it was called. Fake human meat. You know what? Let's just, like, let's look this up real fast. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was called HooFoo. What the fuck? <laughs> hoo-foo. It's, like, HooFoo. Like, human... Foo. Like, human tofu.
1: <laughs> Killer tofu.
0: And what's crazy is, the name for it... Was created because, okay, so the people who were, like, trying to make it um, were on a train. And fucking Mila Djokovic was sitting in front of them on the train. And she heard them talking was like, you should call it Hufu. What? Allegedly. Allegedly so Mila, Mila Djokovic Jok- allegedly came up with the name for Hufu. Yeah. <laughs> but it was designed to resemble human flesh in taste and texture. And it was sold from May 2005 to June 2006. Oh it was, it was, it was, it was touted as the healthy human flesh alternative for cannibals who want to quit. <laughs> so oh, that wants to <laughs> or, quit <laughs> or for, or for curious people like anthropology students who were studying cannibalistic tribes.
1: <laughs> that is ridiculous. I wonder if Milen Jovovich tried it since she named it. That's her name.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I tell you what, if I ever get a chance to interview Mila Djokovic for something? That's the first thing I'm going to ask her, Morgan. Did you ever eat Hufu?
1: <laughs> Did you ever eat fake human meat, Mila?
0: <laughs> I mean, she'll, if, if she really named it, she will definitely know the name Hufu, so I'm just going to Yeah, she's Hoo-foo.
1: like the, she's the face. <laughs> <laughs> Unknowingly.
0: Mila, like, Mila, Mila, I have a two-part question. First, <laughs> First of all, did you come up with the name for Hufu?
1: And if so, <laughs>
0: have you eaten Hufu? <laughs> so anyway, ba- back, back to Leonardo.
1: <laughs> okay, so after sharing all of the tea cakes with her friends and son, um, she felt that the human sacrifice wasn't enough. I mean, clearly, because she kills two more people after her first friend. Mm -hmm.
0: So she moves on to... One's not a fair trade. I need three for my boy.
1: Yeah, I think it's all the guys. I don't know. I'll get to that at the end. But um, so her second victim and her other friend was also a middle-aged woman. She was unmarried. Her name was Francesca Soavi. She came to Leonardo for fortune telling on um, job and money prospects. So it was there that Leonardo concocted this story that she said she could get her a job, and that she found her a job at a school for girls, which is I don't know Pinchesa in It's in Northern Italy, so I don't know. Um, like her first victim, she told Soavi that she did not want her to tell anybody, keep it a secret, and to um, write letters to her friends and family saying that she moved and she's got this new job um, and that she's going to you know, make money and live in Northern Italy. Um, so she came to met, meet up with Leonardo the night before her train departure. And again, Leonardo drugged the wine and then she murdered her with an axe. Um, she did the same thing to her first victim and made cakes out of her as well. Um, and they said that this murder was to have been done around September 5th, 1940, which the first one was in 39, but I think it was, like, summer of 39, I believe. Or
0: So she had, like, a minor cooling-off period.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, like, a year, maybe, or less. Um. Okay. So... She then stole money from her, too. And I think in total, it was only like $500 from both people. I tried to look up $30,000 in Italian liar, and the rates were weird. So, in one time I did the math, it was like $5,000, and then the next time it was like $500. So, I don't don't know. I can't math with the... All that inflation rate and stuff, so.
0: Yeah, so here's my thing. Um, I don't think this is the first time that we've talked about someone who killed for very little money, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, the last one we did. They only got like 50 bucks from those ladies. $300? Wait. The last case we covered?
0: Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um wait, did she get she didn't get any money?
1: Oh, oh. no, the one before that. Pierre. Per- per.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He uh Terry.
1: Yeah, Terry. Terry.
0: Uh Terry got very little money from robbing those those grandmas. Yeah, super... Those old ladies.
1: Like, nothing.
0: Yeah, he got, like, very little from them. Um, Yeah, so it's not the first time we've covered someone killing and getting very little for it, really.
1: Yeah, like, not much at all. Like, why would you murder your, like, best friends for that? But again, she claimed it was to save her son's life, which Uh totally makes sense. Um, So then... Um, not too long after this, like it's, it's only like a couple weeks, maybe three weeks. So September 5th to September 30th is when her next crime happens. Um, so Virginia, I'm gonna butcher this. Cachiapo. Okay. Virginia Cachiapo. Cachiapo. I don't know. Uh, she was a... Form. She was a former opera singer or a soprano star. Um, she had performed at like this really famous um, theater in Italy called La Scala or La Sala. Um, it's like a really well known um, opera house and nice venue, <laughs> I guess. Um, so she wasn't like the other ones, I guess, because she was like, well-known in the community. She also had family. still. Her, um... Uh, I'm sorry.
0: What? r slash not like the other victims. <laughs> you know, like, there's there's a subreddit called not like the other girls. Oh, yeah. yeah. r slash not like the other victims. I'm sorry. I'll go.
1: I'll leave. <laughs> you get out.
0: <laughs> you get out here. Um. <laughs>
1: So she was unlike the other victims because she wasn't like a lonely middle-aged woman. She was middle-aged, but she was not lonely. She had family members and a very nosy or weird sister-in-law, but that'll come into play later. So Virginia came to our wonderful fortune teller, uh, Leonardo for Money and a job prospect. Uh, she was falling on hard times. Her singing didn't make much money. And now she's living in a small town, not working anymore. So she's pretty much in poverty. She came to Leonardo to see if she could get her job. And Leonardo said she has a job in Florence as a secretary for a, quote, mysterious m. So she does what she told the other women. Write letters before you leave saying, here's where you're going and why you're leaving and everything. Um, You know
0: what? That's such a cult leader move right there. Write uh, letters to your loved ones telling them that you're not coming back and you're going over here. Yeah, like it's they trusted her so much. Probably
1: eating crunchy little cakes. I mean, to be <laughs> fair,
0: this is like one of their best friends, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were all really close friends. I, I gotta admit, Morgan, if you try to kill me, I'm not gonna see it coming.
1: So whenever <laughs> you come to visit me, I don't want you to tell your family until you get here.
0: <laughs> mm. don't, don't tell anyone you're leaving or you're playing mean, for anything. Um... That's gonna be kind of hard, cause I mean, Oh, no, you do. You can I, me. I mean, I mean, Mark and I spend a lot of time together.
1: Like, just leave your smartphone at home. No GPS tracker.
0: <laughs> how are you gonna even know when I get there if I don't bring my phone with me? I do know. Okay, you guys, Morgan's gonna kill me. <laughs>
1: If you end up dead. No,
0: I don't know what she's getting out of it. I don't I mean... have a.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just...
0: There's no insurance policies on me, guys.
1: So I'm making this soap company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she tells her, hey, don't tell anybody. I got you this really fucking fantastic job. Um. So, yeah. Um, She does the same thing. She comes to see her off um, at her house. And that's when Leonardo uh, once again gives her the drug drink, kills her, and does the same thing. But she mixes it up a little bit. And this is what she said on the stand. Um, This took place on September 30th, 1940 she says. She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. Isn't that
0: fucked?
1: She... Yeah, she stole the they said she was living in poverty but at the same time she stole more money and like jewelry. She stole assorted jewels and everything else from this woman. Um I mean as well as her life, but she did make out with, I guess more money than the other two. Um so shortly after this, she, you know, goes missing um and she did not know that virginia's sister-in-law was super suspicious um i don't know if she was like following her or if she's looking out a window or she's like
0: the nosy neighbors
1: yeah i think that like that reminded me of this sister-in-law they were always like suspicious of her um like they knew so i don't know if the sister in law thought something was up with this woman or was just really um, nosy about her sister-in-law or if she was trying to say hey to her. But she had seen her going into Leonardo's house and then Leonardo said... Leonardo, sorry, <laughs> said no. Um, she had left. And then Virginia's sister-in-law actually like came in to um look for her and she wasn't there. Um she said it was just a pot on the stove. So uh
0: it was her though. Oh
1: so, yeah, it was her. Um so she reported it to the police. They told um they told Virginia it's probably nothing. We'll go check it out. And then whenever they came to ask about it, she was like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about. She came and then she left. She must have not seen her, you know, dip out, whatever. Like I had nothing to do with her disappearance. Um, And then she was, she kept denying it, but they're like, well, she never got that train. She never left. She never left your house. And we have a witness. So they arrested her Um, around this time. They started to question uh, Giuseppe and they said that he was implicated in the murder. Um, but whenever that came out, she was like, no, 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 no. I did it by myself. Like, that was just me. He had no idea that I was doing this. And she confessed to everything. She wrote a statement. Um, and she also, like, gave in great detail about what she did, who she fed them to, and everything else. Um, so... She was actually taken into jail in 1940, but she didn't get a trial until like 1947 or something. Um, she was
0: just in jail limbo for seven years.
1: Yeah, it was like six or seven years because the war was going on, so she just sat well, in. Yeah, yeah, she sat in jail for like that long without a trial or or, or anything. Like, they're Man, just imagine, like, okay.
0: <laughs> imagine how much it would suck if she was innocent.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Like, there's no trial, no nothing. They just took her to jail. We're like, okay, we're going to go fight this war, but we're going to keep you in here, and then we'll get back to it. And then, yeah, 1946 is when she was tried for murder. So she stayed well. in jail six years without any trial or anything. But she was guilty, and she admitted I know. to it. <laughs> but I know. for all those poor people who were innocent, um, that would really fuck us up. Um, so she also like got caught in this last one because she had sold those bonds in her name. So mm-hmm. it wasn't her just like in the movie. Picture. Yeah, it was the last victim, like in the movie, um, that she sold the bonds and she sold clothing and shoes from Virginia as well. Um, So that kind of came back around and um, bit her. Um, But she was committed. uh, Sorry, she was committed to a state criminal asylum for three years and also giving a 30-year sentence for the three murders. Um, mm-hmm. On October fifteenth, 1970, she died in the Women's Criminal Asylum at Puzuli. And she had a cerebral hemorrhage. So she died of a stroke. Brain bleed. <laughs> or someone hit her in the head. I don't know. But it's brain bleed. Yeah. So. That's no good. So, but what's crazy is that the pot that she used to boil her victims you can actually see it it's at the criminological museum in rome and also a it was a copper ladle that she used to make the soap
0: those criminal crim- criminal museums are wild remember back to our uh, our ZW episode how he was his body was just on display for fucking years
1: yeah it's fucking crazy so this woman on trial this is this is an article from the time magazine that i found uh dated june 24th 1946 it says at her trial in reggio emilia last week Poetess Leonarda gripped the witness stand rail with oddly delicate hands and calmly set the prosecutor right on certain details. Her deep set dark eyes gleamed with a wild inner pride as she concluded, I gave the copper, sorry, I shouldn't do that accent. (laughs) I gave the copper ladle, which I used to skim the fat off the kettles to my country. Which was so badly in need of metal during the last days of the war.
0: Suddenly she became a southern bell grandma. I know, I don't I don't know.
1: <laughs> I should have said, I gave the copper ladle, which I used to skin the fat out the kettles to my country, which was so badly in need for metal during the last days of the war. So even till the end, she's like, No, I did it because of this. I did it because of this. No, she got rid of the evidence and she mm-hmm. this is the case that frustrates me like she's like i admitted to it but i didn't do it because i'm evil i did it because the prophecy told me to you know
0: so there's she's either you know just trying to cover her own tracks or she's actually fucking nuts
1: yeah like i found these like psych psych analysis Mm-hmm. Analysis, psych analysis, analyses, Anal-
0: analyses.
1: Is that it? I, I maybe, maybe. Um. So apparently, at uh some college, PSU, pencil state. I don't know, Penn State. <laughs> Did I say pencil state? <laughs> <laughs> Pen. I think it's Penn State. It's um, Penn State. Yeah, Penn State. They they did a lot of these, like, prezzies about the about her. Um, and they all came up with all these, like, psych analysis, So it was pretty cool. They talk about her having the God complex. I was reading through their diagnoses, and it was pretty cool. Um, it says, uh, this one says, This pride comes from what I believe is a God complex. Told that she would lose her children, Leonardo took into her own hands the lives of others in an effort to turn the cosmic tables by sacrificing the lives of her neighbors, she believed that she was controlling the fates of her children, keeping them out of harm's way. Her pride is also exemplified by the use of her victims' bodies to make commonplace things. She was displaying her work to those around her without them even knowing it. Inside, yeah, yeah inside she laughed while her friends and family ate the evidence. Buen mm-hmm. apetito. yeah like they're like little analysis of them like she yeah, that's, was, that's cool yeah so the last of her victims um she was the only one they made she made soap out of because she was sweet so mm. fucked up
0: yeah <laughs> wow Well, wow. this has certainly been a ride hasn't it Morgan yeah I really like the movie <laughs> though oh my god <laughs> me too I love it I fucking love it um I think I'm gonna get a physical copy of it, actually.
1: Yeah, because we can't watch it on the YOU Tube.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not at all how we watched it. What?
1: Mm-mm. I f- found it in the dumpster, um, and saved it and brought it back to life, and turned yeah. it into a DVD. That's how I was. I,
0: <laughs> I literally created it out of thin air. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking magic.
1: I <laughs> needs need to talk to you. You just created I, matter. <laughs> I know.
0: I'm wild. And they and they said she had the god complex. Well. <laughs> 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 anyway, um <laughs> So, uh have you watched anything cool or done anything interesting since we last Recorded an episode, like, a week ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I did watch... Oh, fuck. It's, um... I watched Hocus Pocus on mute and overlaid (laughs) it with Gangster Rap. And I have to tell you, it was a really good time. (laughs) Gangster Rap goes... With everything on Hocus Pocus. It sounds so crazy.
0: It, hold on. Is this like the new dark side of the moon? Situation? <laughs> I had no idea.
1: We, uh, so I had some friends over for our friend's wedding. They got married on uh, Saturday. So mm-hmm. I had some friends stay and we d- drank the night before. So we we're listening to gangster rap or we were watching Hocus Pocus, and then the guys came home, and they were listening to Gangster Rap. So I was like, hey, let's keep this party going. So we put it on mute, and we're drinking. And then we realized it was syncing up, like, perfectly. So we went around and chose each Gangster Rap song. Um, I went around in a circle. So it was it was really that, great. I started with Eminem, is- but, it, I mean, it wasn't really... Eminem isn't gangster rap, but it was.
0: I'm it was, glad you said that because you know I was gonna be like, not really. Yeah, no,
1: <laughs> no. I just wanted to see what it looked like with Eminem.
0: <laughs> um, that's amazing. Can I confess that uh, I've I've never actually seen that movie?
1: <gasps> see, I was watching it because I've never either. <laughs>
0: Um, look.
1: Because Kelly just... got mad at me. And I was like, you've never watched it? I was like, I didn't like it. I was more of a craft girl. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> magic. <laughs> uh, that is definitely the more fun witch movie from the 90s, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, I just, I... No, um, so here's my thing. And this actually really reflected, um, when I was doing trivia the other night. I, did I tell you about that? Mm-mm. I did horror movie trivia this. Oh, Saturday.
1: you never told me how it went.
0: Oh, I won. I won. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was really intense about it. I was like hunched over my computer, like with my headphones in, um, staring into, even though I had my f- camera turned off, I was like staring into the face. Of the uh, the trivia host <laughs> on Zoom, <laughs> and uh, just like waiting for her to ask the next question because there's an app, not an app, but there's a website called CrowdPer that you use to like type in your answers and like see the multiple choice questions and stuff. Like that's how they run the trivia, but she asks the questions aloud over Zoom. If that makes sense? Yeah. No, it makes so sense. anyway, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, there was a round that was, like, not really... That was, like, spooky but not scary or something. Or spooky but not horror or something. So it was all, like, kids' movies with horror themes. And I got... That's the round that I actually moved to second place briefly. Because I I lost a bunch of... I'm like, I don't... I'm like, I've been an old man my whole life. I do not watch kids' movies like this, really uh yeah i have a gap i've never seen halloween town i've never seen hocus pocus it's never been my bag please don't be mad at me kendra is turning over kendra is has she's died so now. <laughs> no she's she's died and now she's rolling in her grave because yeah. i just said that <laughs> Love you, Kendra.
1: Yeah, no, I've I've never seen it all the way through. <laughs> I remember, like, the beginning, and that was it. And I don't know why we never finished it. Probably because I was raised with boys, and they probably didn't want to watch it. Um, yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: But I I never watched it. So Kelly was forcing me to watch it, sort of, because we watched... She fell asleep to it, but we watched the... um. Grumpy Cat Christmas movie? (laughs) It's a Hallmark movie. It is so fucking ridiculous. I don't condone the use of drugs, but if you were to, you know, do such a thing, I'd say watch Grumpy Cat Christmas movie. It's so fucking stupid.
0: I don't think there's enough drugs in the world to make me do that,
1: Morgan. No, it is amazing. It seriously. Um, you know me.
0: I do. And what I'm saying is I'm going to need some
1: It's Aubrey Plaza's the voice. Oh. I just okay, love that... Aubrey Plaza.
0: Me too. See? And you're it's saying that she's the voice turns it all around.
1: Yeah, and it breaks the the fourth wall like throughout the whole movie about how shitty it is and how can't believe grumpy cat has a fucking movie and it's hilarious. Like she's sarcastic the whole time narrating it. And it's so great. That's amazing. <laughs> it, I I kind of teetered off on the last, like kind of like middle part, but it the first like 30 minutes are solid gold.
0: I would love to know what that pitch for that film was like.
1: Oh, they made, like, millions of dollars off that cat. I mean, poor Grumpy Cat passed away. Um, well, I know. The cat's just like, I'm
0: just living the best life.
1: But, yeah, they made a lot of money off of, uh, we were trying to a, look at how much.
0: Grumpy Cat merch, I remember.
1: Yeah, the whole time they're like, hashtag, why the hell am I watching this? Or, or why am I watching this? um i don't know there's a lot of weird like cut scenes to talking about products to buy and stuff so and it's also breaking the fourth wall so it's like aubrey plaza like you don't want to buy any of this shit (laughs) buy this shit or not (laughs) all right yeah that
0: is that is interesting
1: yeah, uh, okay. look it up. Um, The AV Club called it the largest turd in lifetime's crap crown of original programming.
0: Aw, <laughs> oh, I love the AV Club. My friend Andy writes over there, and I remember us being in high school, both being like, you know, just like reading the AV Club like it was, you know, our religion. <laughs> and it's so cool that he writes over there now. I need to like aspire to do more but see here's the thing if I wrote for the AV club I would only cover horror movies you know how I am
1: oh I wonder if he wrote this though it it goes on a little bit so says so unforgiving so psychologically trying that the process alone leaves the viewer straining to hear the dialogue over the sound of the soul being crushed wholesale bone and sinew wrenched apart at the joint <laughs> Oh, I was uh, laughing the whole way through.
0: Mm, that's really a glowing close. review right there. <laughs> I know. I think
1: that's, like, the best review ever of any movie.
0: I think you might be right, although <laughs> I've crazy. written a lot of them, so little ones <laughs> to <you> over here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So, yeah, so what have you been watching or doing?
0: Oh. Okay, so I actually watched this weeks and weeks ago, and I just forgot to mention it, I think. But did I talk about Titane?
1: Titanic.
0: No, Titane.
1: Oh, Titanic. No. With Reese Witherspoon and um... (laughs) Keanu Reeves.
0: What are you even talking about? I'm so confused now. Like, what? Are, literally, what are you talking about?
1: Titanic.
0: <laughs> no, that's Kate Winslet, Leonardo, Leonardo, DiCaprio.
1: No, it's
0: <laughs> Morgan. I can't tell if you're like fucking with me now.
1: I'm fucking with you.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> not cool, Morgan.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, uh, no. Just trying to think if you would be like. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Keanu Reeves.
0: <laughs> I think I think my eye just, like, twitched uncontrollably when you did that. Oh, obviously. my
1: God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it didn't. Titanic. But... I mean, titane. Titan. Titan.
0: T-I-T-A-N-E. So I haven't talked about it then. I'm asking yeah, I have you. Have, have I talked about it? Okay. Anyway, so... Titan. T-I-T-A-N-E. T-I-T-A-N-E. It is a French film made by the same woman who directed Raw. Do you know about Raw? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so... Yeah, I not know about Raw. Okay, so same woman. It. I haven't either, because I'm not sure I can stomach it. It's torture porn, right? No, not really. It's about a girl who is a vegan, and then she... Something happens, and then she develops a taste for human flesh, and she goes on a cannibal binge. Oh. Um, that's all I know about it, is that she, like, gets the taste for human flesh and starts eating human flesh. That's all I know. Um, I've not seen it because I'm afraid—because I know that it's pretty gory, and I'm afraid—you know how I'm weird about the gore that I can watch? yeah. I'm afraid that I might. Basically, I'm afraid that I might literally pass out in bed, and I don't mean like fall asleep.
1: Yeah, not in a good way.
0: <laughs> I mean literally black out while watching it. Because <laughs> I've I've blacked out to like things that seem more like that, like the kind of thing that you would more more normally black out to. Like I blacked out during Eli Roth's Green Inferno because it's really? it's. Yeah, I mean, it's a remake of Cannibal Holocaust, basically.
1: But you passed out?
0: Yeah, so... you fainted? Yes, I was... We were in, like, a shed watching it with friends, and then I got up to go from the, like, man cave thing to the main house and to the bathroom, and, like, I'm in their kitchen, and I just tunnel vision, and the next thing I know, I'm on their floor! Holy shit, dude.
1: Yeah, I think you're like bageling down like you're clenching your butthole so hard. Um, I don't You can do that. I, it sounds like a bagel
0: maneuver. Um, I don't remember clenching my butthole. What?
1: <laughs> like when you squeeze like you tense up like mm. you need to poop. Yeah that maneuver is called a vagal maneuver and some people can pass out when they do that. Like at a wedding, sometimes people are straining or when you're on your toilet and you poop too hard, you can actually pass out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you vagal down during scary
0: stuff and don't realize it. I don't think so. Mm. It's basically, let me tell you the process. It's more like, my thought patterns get out of control. It's like, I see something that bothers me a little bit and then I fixate on it and then I black out. Oh yeah.
1: I said, I bet you're tensing up and you just don't know. It. Just, just think about it next time you go into that,
0: like where you're. Okay. Sure. You know what? It's on, Morgan. I'm watching yes. Raw. I'm watching Raw tonight. Fuck yes. to just... And I'm going to let you know if my speaker tenses up. <laughs>
1: Please, like, sit in a chair or something. Like, don't. I don't want you falling off the bed and cracking your head open. But if you were going to do it, sit in a lounge chair or, like, a bed or something. And then just start feeling where your body is. Okay and then it feels, see if you're tensing up.
0: Okay, what it feels like from memory is it feels like my whole body just gets really really warm like it creeps up on me like someone pulling the covers over me. And then then I get dizzy and then I black out.
1: Damn, man, you got a lot of demons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um look man i just i really don't dig thinking about human blood and no. any real in any real capacity
1: don't pass <laughs> out right now please don't I won't. I won't.
0: I'm, I'm fine like i said it's in really weird situations because like that seems like a more normal thing like you're watching cannibal stuff yeah you might faint but i also fainted and a scene and she dies tomorrow where a woman just like had a stab wound in her stomach. And then she just kind of walks into a pool and then there's just a lot. It's like the water just starts turning red. And I don't know what it was about that scene, but man, Mark witnessed it. I was gone. Dead. Gone out. 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 Passed out. out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what it was about that, but man, it got to me. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back to Titan. It's the only thing I have to talk about this week. Okay. Titan is this balls to the walls crazy movie. So it starts off with this. I'm, by the way, spoilers for Titan. I'm going to tell Morgan the whole movie. <laughs> oh, God. Not, okay, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing because I want you to watch it. But I'm going to tell you a lot more than normal. Okay. So, spoiler so- alert for Titan. Okay, spoiler alert. All right, I'll deal with it. Okay. So she's like, it's, she's like a dancer at car shows, right? The main character. Mm-hmm. So she's like scantily clad dancing on the hood of a car when we first meet her, basically. And um, she goes out to her car afterwards and that's, and she kills this guy that's flirting with her. And then that's when you discover that she like you know, has no problem killing people. But then she goes back inside her work, and she fucks a car. What? There's no other way to say it, Morgan. She fucks a car. <laughs> you just gotta see it to believe it. Like, but then, the exhaust yeah. pipe? No.
1: No, that'd be opposite, I guess.
0: No, like, um... she, she fucks the, um, it looks more like she fucks the... Gear shift. No,
1: oh, <laughs> I was trying to think. Is it like the little thing that's but, on the end of the car or
0: side of it? Okay, there's two. There's two different scenes. There's one scene where she's fucking a truck way later in the movie, and it looks like she's fucking the gear shift. But when she's fucking the first car, she's got like. She's, like, tied up in the back seat, and the whole car is shaking. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on in that scene, because it's just bonkers. The whole movie is really bonkers, by the way. It's just crazy. It goes a lot of different directions, and I don't want to ruin too much. But she fucks a car, and she's fine with, with violence. Hmm.
1: So you recommend it?
0: I recommend it it was one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen and I loved it <laughs> it's it's crazy I I yeah go see Titan <laughs> everyone go watch Titan okay so we're gonna go but we'll be back next month with two new episodes and they're gonna both have special guests. <gasps> Yay! And I'm really just not telling Morgan this. This is the you first time friends. she's friends. Or you do. You have,
1: you have friends.
0: I, <laughs> I <am> mean, <laughs> I, 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 that is not true. You just went to a wedding and had pictures with tons of people. <laughs> I don't even know them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that one chick that was, like, resting her head on your boob, I hope she knows you. <laughs> Never met her in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so we'll see you for those new episodes. Bye. Bye.